Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Good morning, Vineyard. My name is Beth Guckenberger, and welcome. Welcome to those of you who are here on campus. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Bienvenidos los que hablan español. Everybody is welcome. I'm so de nada. I'm glad you all could be here and join us. And this is week two of the Rooted series. Last week, Clay did kick us off in that series. And I just want to reiterate what JR and Jennifer were just saying about the opportunity to join a Rooted small group. It's, it's a really powerful way, being in a small group, to grow. It's a powerful way to make a big place like this seem um, small. So you have the people that you know and that you share and exchange life with. It's also, we, we live in a culture that is increasingly working hard to rip our roots out of the ground. And uh, this is a chance for us to intentionally do the kind of work that helps our roots grow deep so that as the world around us continues to change, we still feel solid and, and rooted, for lack of a better word. Um, before we get started, I also wanted to share a little bit about what's happening out in the atrium. It's a very special Sunday. It's a Sunday where this church is highlighting some of the ways in which they're serving orphaned and vulnerable children, both here locally and around the world. That's a subject that's very dear to my heart. Um, I, I was just recently, in, um, since I've been here last, in India. And while I was there, it can be kind of overwhelming just the sheer need of the, of the kids, the vulnerable kids that are around us. And while I was there, maybe even in this very space, I was just thinking to myself, there's a billion children on the planet who've experienced trauma. There's 163 million of them that uh, are orphaned. When we put our heads around those numbers, we can find ourselves overwhelmed, maybe even stunted to inactivity. But I, I love that Andy Stanley quote that says, do for one what you wish you could do for them all. Going down to the atrium, you'll have some opportunities to figure out how you and your family might be able to do something for one of those children. And here's what we know for sure about God. He does more than one thing at a time. He will absolutely minister to a child through your volunteer time, through your sponsorship, through your mission trip, through your foster care, whatever, whatever it is that catches your eye down there. He'll do something for that child. But he'll also do something for you and for everyone who's watching you. And so just go down there and check out some of the opportunities. I'll be there after the service, and I look forward to meeting you. One of the tables down there represents a ministry called Grafted. Grafted is a ministry here at the Vineyard, and I want to give them a chance to share with you a little bit about what they're doing. So watch this video with me. We are Mike and Ann Jett. Uh, we attend the Vineyard, and we were on the team that founded the Grafted ministry. We started in 2016. In those first couple of years, we made four or five gifts a year, and it has grown since then. So this year, we're on track um, to give away close to $100,000. I think it'll probably be about 20 families. We've just met the most amazing families who are, in many cases, working extra jobs to pay for these adoptions. They're Ubering, they're selling everything they own, and, and still, very often hitting that five or $10,000 short mark. And to be able to close that up for them and tell them they can quit one of their part-time jobs and go get their kid is, is just pure joy. Adoption is expensive. 
International adoptions are thirty to $40,000 for a single child. Domestic adoptions, so kids here in the U.S. can have a much wider range, but I'd, I'd think of that one as twenty-five dollars to $50,000 for domestic. That, it's just an insurmountable amount of money in many cases. It might as well be a million dollars. So gifts to Grafted really help make it doable for real families. Hi, I'm Kristen Williams, and I am the single mom of five amazing girls that I adopted from India. I knew that I always wanted to be a mom. That was the one thing that whenever growing up, people said, what do you want to be? I knew I wanted to be a mom. I, I didn't really care about what career I did. As I got older and I still hadn't found someone to marry, I started looking into adoption. I cashed out my 403B from teaching to fund my adoption. I was also working full-time as a teacher, and then I started, I was serving tables at night. So I was doing everything I could to afford the adoption. I'm like, where am I gonna get the money for this? I don't, I don't have anything. That's when Grafted came in and Anne reached out to me and she asked, she said, how are you doing on your finances with your fifth adoption? And I said, I have the adoption covered, but I don't have any of my travel and it, I don't know where I'm gonna get it. And she called and she said, Kristen, this is one of my favorite phone calls to make, but we were able to grant you the full amount that you had requested to help you bring Snigda home. I'll just never be able to express in words that I feel I can adequately describe my thankfulness and gratitude for um, people like Mike and Ann who started Grafted and what they're doing, they're continuing to help children find their families. And it's, it's just a beautiful reflection of their hearts and the heart of God. So maybe you've heard some of these stories, or maybe you've been thinking about adoption, and if you feel called to respond in some way, we'd love to help. Maybe you feel called to adoption. Maybe this is something God's laid on your heart that might be right for your family, and we'd love to talk to you. Maybe you're excited about this ministry or the space of adoption, but now's not the right season in your life for to adopt, but you still wanna be involved. Like, we'd love to talk to you about that. There may be ways to be able to support the ministry financially or support the ministry in prayer. But whatever you're feeling right now, if you feel led in this space, we'd love to talk and we'd love to connect and we'd love to see if there's a way to get you plugged in to Grafted or Adoption more broadly. I've known that couple, Mike and Anjette, for quite a while now, as our own adoption journeys have crossed paths several times. But one of the first times that I interacted with Anne, this is a number of years ago, I spoke several years in a row on something called the K-Love Cruise. I don't know if you listen to the K-Love radio station, but annually they have a cruise. And I would go on that cruise ship and speak at night to the whole boat and invite them the following day to come to like a breakout workshop I would do that would be like an hour or so talking to people about how they might be able to get involved with orphaned and vulnerable children. And I remember one year in particular, I got off the boat and I called Todd and I told him that um, in my breakout session, we'd had 10, maybe 12 people show up. 
And I said, I, I'm not sure it's a good use of my time anymore. Like, thousands of people, and, you know, they have lots of choices on what to do the next day, and you can, like, swim with the dolphins or, like, hang out on the promenade deck or come learn about orphaned and vulnerable children. And uh, I, a couple of months after I got off that boat, and uh, I got a phone call from Anne, and she was helping to place two Chinese girls into a family, and she was having trouble finding the right family for them, in part because there were two of them, and it's a pretty tall order to ask someone to consider adopting a sibling set versus an individual child. And these girls were older, so that's a pretty tall order to get to ask someone to consider adopting an older child into their family. And they lived on the other side of the world, so there was expense involved in that process, and they were HIV positive. And that combination of factors had made it difficult for her to find a family. So she contacted me to see if I would put their story on my social media platform and see if there was anybody in my network who might be interested in adopting these children. So I remember posting their picture, and I wrote a post on the bottom, something about Psalm 68, where it says, God places the lonely in families. And I put Anne's information and the grafted information down there. And if you're interested in these uh, these two girls, this is who you reach out to. And the comments below the post were full of like heart emojis and a couple of people wrote like prayers for the girls. And I remember feeling moved by that, but then I just kept going on with my life. And a year later, I got a letter at the back-to-back -back office and it was from a family in California. And as I opened up and read the letter and saw the pictures, it was of these two Chinese sisters who were having their first ice cream cone in California with their family. And the family wrote to me that they had sat in on a workshop I had done on the Caleb cruise. They were two of those uh, 10 people that came and God had planted a seed in their heart. And then after that workshop, they started to follow me on social media and that's when they saw the post and the story of their family unfolded. And I remember reading that letter thinking to myself about all the ways the spirit had to move to make that family. Like first, he had to cultivate the, the relationships that led to me being invited to speak on the Caleb cruise. And then he had to prompt that couple of all the things that they could go do, swimming with dolphins and, you know, water aerobics, that they wanted to come to my workshop. And then the Spirit prompted Anne to come and boldly ask me to advocate for those girls on that post. And then those, that couple had to come to conclusion together. This is what God asked them to do for this assignment. And then the Spirit had to provide the resources and then open the doors for the Chinese government to be okay for them. Then they had to have the courage to walk through that adoption. And now he works in them today, strengthening them and finishing what he started. I got a letter from them about a year ago. Those little girls are now in high school and they're rock stars and they have a new Chinese brother. And I think to myself, man, God tells some really good stories. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what kind of story God might have for you, but if he's nudging, prompting, stirring, any of those kinds of things, I encourage you to come down to the atrium after the service and see what the opportunities that this community is providing for you. Well, I want to continue in on the Rooted series, and if you were here last week, then you know that Clay asked you to stand up while he read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's a practice that we'll do again today, and Matt will do again next week with you, and he talks um, with you all next week about love. But before I have you stand so I can read the chapter over you, I just want to tell you about a minute about a little practice that we're going to just do a small version of. If it's interesting to you, I encourage you to look it up and do it in a more fuller way. But we're going to do something called Lectio Divina, which is Latin for the divine reading. 
as I have you stand and I read to you 1 Corinthians uh, 13, what I'd like you to do, if you're comfortable, is close your eyes. And then just ask the Lord to talk to you. Ask him if one of the words or phrases, he could just turn up a little bit of the volume and, and get your attention so that you can spend the rest of this service thinking about it or the rest of this day thinking about it or the rest of this week thinking about it. Sometimes people say to me, I don't know how to hear from God. I don't know, how do I know what God is saying? Read your Bibles. Like, our Bibles are God's written word, his, his word that he wants to say to us. So we're gonna listen to this passage and see what he might have individually for each one of us. Would you stand with me, please, as I read this? Standing in honor of God's word is a long practice, dating all the way back to our Old Testament. So thank you for doing it if you're able. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what it is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week, if you were with us, Clay talked a little bit about faith. Next week, if you will join us, Matt will talk to us about love. So I'm right here in the middle, and I'm going to tackle the subject of hope. What exactly does hope mean? And how do we hold on to it when life seems to be getting harder and the order of brokenness with which we live is worse than it feels like it's ever been? As we define hope, it can be awful tempting to think of hope as a feeling, that like something desirable will happen, like I hope it doesn't rain or I hope I get a raise. But unlike wishing, hope doesn't change based on my circumstances. It's, it's the, you might remember, we just read 1 Corinthians 13, which is in the New Testament, which was written originally in the Greek. The Old Testament is written originally in the Hebrew. And a couple of months ago, I talked to you about the word for hope in Hebrew is tikvah. Remember that? And tikva is defined as three things, a cord, an expectation, and, a, and hope. It's literally like a rope. It's, it, in English, hope is kind of an abstract word, but in Hebrew, it's this concrete idea. It's something we literally hold on to, like hope is a rope, okay? 
We can be tempted to think of hope as like a personality thing, like I'm an optimist or I'm a pessimist. Or we might describe ourselves as people that, that were like cup half full kind of people or cup half empty kind of people. But hear me, church. The story of God's kids is a story of hope. It's a story about a people who believe that there is more going on than what we can see with our eyes. And despite what we may be experiencing on earth, we believe, as God's kids, the cup was meant to be full, and the cup will be full again. That's what and why we have hope. This is the rope that we hold on to. I had a conversation this week with a a parent whose child is going into the hospital and probably will never come home to live again. And it was a very hard conversation. And this dad was crying, and I was crying with him, and it wasn't okay, and there was no easy answer, and it didn't feel very good. But we were talking about in the midst of that conversation that that dad can hold on to hope for what, you might ask? That 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 little girl lives in a broken world, and that little girl has a broken body. But one day, she will be healed. The cup was meant to be full, and it will be full again. And in the midst of that terrible circumstance, that dad can hold on to that rope. And it doesn't matter how hard the wind blows, he can feel the peace that passes all kinds of understanding. And that kind of muscle, it doesn't develop overnight. Just like the series is talking about trees and roots, a tree doesn't grow overnight. It takes time. But when our roots go deep, our tree grows strong. We become rooted, and it doesn't matter what the wind blows. It doesn't matter who tries to pull us up out of the ground. We can stand firm. And as those muscles are being built, it's very important that we understand we don't have to put our best foot forward, not in front of Jesus. We don't have to pretend or have some kind of false sense of hope or faith and a smile that's plastered on, but inside your heart is crumbling. God knows our heart. He knows when we're confused or disappointed or hurting. I've shared with this community before that my father died 25 years ago. In the midst of his illness, I was like holding on to what I recognize now was a false kind of hope. It was like the book of Isaiah in the message translation talks about how we can have a genie God. And I was trying to rub that lamp and get my wishes granted. And I was using all the kind of right spiritual words to do it, like, like, we're going to do it in Jesus' name, and we're two or three are gathered in with oil, and I'm going to fast all day beforehand, and if I do what I'm supposed to do, God will then obey my will. But that's not hope. Hope is not getting everything you want, when you want it, how you want it, where you want it, on your demand. Hope is believing that the cup was meant to be full, the cup will be full again. God is sovereign. He tells good stories. He's with me in the middle of anything. It doesn't make any sense not to ask him for what we want, because he says if we ask him for bread, he's not giving us a stone. But if we don't like what we get back, we hold on to the cord. We hold on. And in the meantime, the Bible makes space for us to speak truth, to mourn. One of the books of our Bible literally dedicated to having hope when you're hurting is the book of Lamentations. We're going to consider a pretty significant portion of Lamentations chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, I would encourage you to follow along. It'll be on the screen behind me but it's long enough you might want to read it along with me. We're going to start in verse 19 of Lamentations chapter 3. The writer says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast. 
It's downcast within me. First of all, I love that this writer is honest. We could say our own version of that. I remember when I lost my job. I remember when I had a health crisis. I remember when my friend died and my soul was downcast within me. I don't know what your stories are, but resonate with the author of this story who is telling the truth to his, to his God. We, we, we are not supposed to pretend, pretend, not in front of God and certainly not in healthy community. There is a place in church body life for lamenting. We as a community, we need to hold each other's stories with grace. If you came here today downcast, you are welcome here. We have a rope. He goes on to say in verse 21, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. If you are gonna memorize any verse today, this is the one to memorize. In fact, I'm gonna have us repeat this verse together aloud in hopes that it continues to cement itself into your mind. Say this with me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The Bible talks a lot about our minds, right? Set your mind on things above, take every thought captive, renew your thinking. The battle for hope starts in our minds what we are remembering, what we are dwelling on when our souls are downcast impact what happens next. If it's truth that I'm thinking on, therefore I have hope. If, if my roots are full of a bunch of lies, then my tree's not gonna grow very strong. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. He is always with us. He never tires of us. He never is like, oh my gosh, we're talking about this again. Haven't I helped you with this before? Why are we here still? He never fails. We can lament and not despair. Because remember, there's two storylines going on all the time. You have the God storyline of redemption, reconciliation, restoration, rescue, repair. Those are God's stories. He's always filling the cup because the cup was meant to be full and the the cup will be full again. And we have an enemy fighting against God's storyline. And instead of reconciliation, he's looking for conflict. Instead of restoration, he's looking for disrepair. Instead of, I mean, all of them. Instead Instead of rescue, he's looking for us to feel lost. He wants us to feel condemned. In this order of brokenness that we live in today, God is filling the cup. He's throwing us that rope. And it says in the very next verse, and that, that, that compassion, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Like new every morning. Sometimes we can falsely attribute human attributes to God. God is, we are like God, but God is not like us, right? We, we, he isn't human-like. He doesn't run out. He just fills and 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 fills. His compassions never fail. It doesn't matter how many times we come to him with our downcast soul, with our stories that we don't like and can't control, with the things that we don't understand and cause us to question. He never tires. The next verse says, I say to myself, What happens after that verse, what I say to myself, is really key because self-talk is important. I mean, what does your self-talk sound like? What do you say to yourself when your soul is downcast, when you're afraid, when you're confused? I I was thinking about this message 
This week, I spent a couple of days with my cowboy brother-in-law in Montana and my husband, and I had never, I've never, I've been all over the world. I've never done anything like this. We were like on horses for hours into the wilderness where there was not one other soul ever, and we slept in tents, and I really honestly thought I might die several times. I thought I might die, and I was on this horse. We are riding, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a cliff and a river, and I could very easily go off it because I'm actually not that confident on this horse, and I've been on it for a long time, so at this point, I might as well turn around on it because I, I don't even know what to do. And as I, as I was paying attention to my self-talk, right, when I thought, I'm going to go over the side of the cliff and I'm going to die, my heart raced and my palms got sweaty. When I'm like, God is good, God is with me, I'll be fine, this is okay, like, <laughs> my heart stilled. Like, what our self-talk what we say to ourselves, it matters. And by the way, those of you who are parents, the way we talk to our children is the way they will one day talk to themselves. And if you're someone who thinks that what, what you say to yourself is not okay, it's not too late. You have a parent and he wants to, you are a new creation in Christ and he wants to rewire the ways you talk to yourself. But we've got to remember that as we're raising up our little people. I say to myself, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. In the middle of this, whatever this is, he is enough. He is my portion. I will wait. I will believe. I will trust until the cup fills, even if I don't see it. He is my portion. I don't need anything else except for him. That's the kind of self-talk that's a rope you can hold on to, that puts your roots deep down in the ground. The next verse says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See the pattern? A lot of hoping ends up looking like waiting and seeking. It's not crossing your fingers, closing your eyes, giving up, trying to make some kind of deal or bargain with God. It's seeking and waiting. It's committing to allowing our roots to grow deep, so our tree stands strong. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. Don't miss that last verse. I was thinking to myself, and I'm feeling it again right now. Somebody needs to hear that in the house today. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. He has really big shoulders, and he's been accused of all kinds of things by his kids. Things like, how could you let this happen? And if you loved me, then why? Why didn't you do this? Why did you do this? If you've ever had or currently have those questions, then let that truth sink itself into your soul and root itself into your tree. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. If your soul is downcast today and you have lost hope, his heart is broken that yours is breaking. He came to make all things new. You're going to have a chance in a minute when the band comes out to play our last worship song to take communion. And I just want to encourage you to do so today, whether you're online and joining us or you're here in the, in the house. Here's what I do during communion. The first thing I do is confess. I confess all my sins. Like, oh my gosh, Lord, I cannot believe I'm here again and I need your mercies again and I need your compassion again and my soul, my soul is downcast again and I'm confused again or I'm angry again or I'm afraid again. Like, 
confess, unburden, literally unburden yourself from wrong thinking, from, from cup half empty, the shoe's about to drop kind of catastrophic thinking. Unburden yourself from that. Confess your sin. He says he'll be faithful and just. He will remove that iniquity from us. And the second thing I do in communion is I, I commit to him. I commit to setting my eyes on things above. I commit to, call, to calling this to my mind and therefore having hope. I commit to coming to you, God, in all transparency and vulnerability. I commit to holding on to a rope even when the wind is blowing really hard. I commit, I commit, I commit. I confess and commit. During that song today, I encourage you to take communion and confess and commit. Realign, re-anchor yourself. This is what, this is what we gather together to do. I'm going to ask you as we close here to stand with me again. If you don't mind, would you stand? If you're comfortable, I would encourage you to put your hands out. We're going to call some things to mind and therefore have hope here today. As I read these truths to you directly from Scripture, consider them as if God is talking right to you. This is his word. This is what he sounds like. Ask God to fill your cup like like rain. Let the truth come and rain down on you. Call this to mind and therefore have hope. He will strengthen you with power. He will give you rest. He will supply all of your needs. He will cause everything to work together for the good of you, those who love him. He will not abandon you. He will not be separated from you. You cannot separate yourself from him. He who promised is faithful. He will cleanse you from your sin. He will answer your prayer. He will come again. The cup was meant to be full, and the cup will be full again. Let this be your self-talk. Call this to mind. Hold on to this rope. Would you pray with me? Jesus, just rain down on us. Just throw us that rope that in the company of these believers, we feel strengthened to hold on to, to keep waiting and seeking, to understand that hoping is not wishing. Hoping anchors. It secures. Jesus, we confess all of our sins, all of the thoughts we have we shouldn't, all the things we say we shouldn't, all the things we do that shouldn't, all the thinking that's not aligned with yours, we confess them, remove them from us. Remind us of our identity in you, Jesus. Today we commit. We commit to thinking and feeling and acting and talking and wanting your way over our own. We commit to waiting until the cup is full again, to believing that kingdom is coming, and to believing that kingdom is now, and to not be afraid to ask you for bread. So Jesus, it is with the authority I have as a co-heir with you, as one of your kids, identifying with the kingdom of hope, I ask that you would release an anointing on this body, that we would, fill a, we would receive a double portion of hope today. It would be almost tangible. 
and unrecognizable to a world that doesn't know what to do with it. And that we would, may we, Jesus, please be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have. Jesus, we love you and we trust you. Come, come Holy Spirit and minister to us during our worship today. And I pray these things in, in your holy, precious and resurrected name, Jesus.
teams, I want to encourage you to start making your way uh, to your spot in the balcony and here up front. And if you are someone who wants to come join one of these prayer teams at some point, we'll have a training on October 1st. You can use your gifts in that way in this body. But as Jerry was singing that last section, the anointing in the room is thick. Let's just admit it. Spirit is talking to us. When I said to you, if you came in here downcast, you are welcome here. That's not just lip service. I want to invite you at this point to come and bring your stories to these prayer teams. These folks are both gifted, trained, and called to hold your stories with grace, to help you remember what to call to mind so therefore you have hope, to advocate for the things that are breaking your heart before the Father. Don't leave here without telling someone what's going on with you, whether it's the people around you and you pray right where you are or you come forward and have one of these folks pray with you. Um, man, that, this is what body life looks like. Listening and seeking, hoping and waiting. Come join us in the atrium after the service. Ask the Lord what he might have for you in the area of vulnerable children. I want to close with this benediction out of the book of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. Are you kidding me? The cup isn't just half full. It's overflowing. That we can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that last part. This is not something we muster up on our own. We don't grit our teeth and smile and pretend. 
and hope that we've walked with God enough time, enough years, enough in the right kinds of ways that we can get through whatever it is that we're going through. That's not how it works. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that the cup overflows. And if that doesn't make sense to you, come talk to us. There's nothing we would like to do more than talk to you about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is your birthright as God's kid. So Jesus, go with us from here. Go with us out, carrying with us an overflowing cup of hope that we can testify to and hold on to. Jesus, we love you and we trust you. And we pray these things in your name, amen. Come back next week as Matt talks to us about love. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.